From the Financial Times in New York, I'm Amy Keene, and this is FT News. U.S. officials have for months been sending ominous messages about the threat from North Korea. And just this week, buried in the headlines from President Trump's first State of the Union speech, was news that the president had withdrawn his nomination for a leading Korea expert to fill the role of ambassador to South Korea, a role that's been empty since the president took office. Dmitry Sevastopolo, the FT's Washington bureau chief, joins me on the line from D.C. Dmitry, tell us a bit about this one-time nominee. Who is Victor Cha? So Victor Cha is a long-term Korea expert in Washington. He's very well respected. He was a former official in the administration of George W. Bush. And when he was there, he worked on the National Security Council. And he also took part in the six-party talks that the U.S. was conducting with uh, North Korea and four other countries. Since then, he's been working at a think tank, the Center for Strategic and International Studies, and he's also a professor at Georgetown. Overall, he basically is a very well-respected Korea expert uh, and someone that has his views on Korea have been sought out for a long time. Bring us up to speed on what happened. Why did the administration withdraw their uh, nomination for him to be U.S. ambassador to South Korea? I mean, this is a role that has not been filled since the president took office. That's right. I mean, the the backdrop here is that Trump came to office saying that North Korea was his top foreign policy priority. And yet it's been a year and we haven't had an ambassador in Seoul. The DCM in Seoul is acting as the acting ambassador. It took an awful long time to vet Victor Cha to get the security clearances that you need before you can go overseas as an ambassador. A lot of his friends and colleagues started to wonder why it was taking so long. And I think he himself wondered the same thing. What happened was, before Christmas, his name had been submitted to the South Korean government as the next ambassador as part of a formal process that you go through before you formally nominate your candidate to the U.S. Senate for approval. After that, he had a meeting with some White House national security advisors, and they asked him for his views on the bloody nose strategy that the Trump administration is considering, which is essentially the idea that the Pentagon would conduct some kind of a tailored or limited strike on North Korea to send a very strong message that Kim Jong-un, the North Korean leader, should give up his nuclear weapons and his intercontinental ballistic missiles. In those meetings, Victor Cha expressed opposition to that strategy. He said the risks of doing a strike like that were huge because there's a big, first of all, obviously South Korean population in Seoul that's very close to North Korea. There are hundreds of thousands of Americans. There's a huge population of Japanese. And there is a high probability that Kim Jong-un would retaliate and that hundreds of thousands of people could be killed in that retaliation. So he said bloody nose is is not a good strategy. He was asked whether he was prepared to oversee what are called non-combatant evacuation operations, which is what you do when you think there's going to be a conflict and you try and get as many civilians out of the area as possible. He talked about that and how that was going to be very difficult. After that meeting, the White House basically stopped returning his calls and he wasn't sure what was going on. And it was only this weekend, I'm told by uh, uh, someone who knows him, that they called him and said, you are no longer our nominee. We're not going to put you forward to the Senate. And they didn't explain why. But the uh, assumption from many people who've talked to Victor Chan, who know what's been going on behind the scenes, is that H.R. McMaster, who is the National Security Advisor, was not comfortable sending someone to Seoul as ambassador who didn't buy into this idea of, of, of bloody nose, which seems to be the potential direction that the Trump administration is going on vis-a-vis North Korea. So, Dimitri, what does all of this say about the evolution of the Trump administration's North Korea strategy? What does it say that they've not filled the role of an ambassador to South Korea? 
Well, many people are quite worried. I mean, on one level, a year ago, Kim Jong-un said he was going to test his first intercontinental ballistic missile or ICBM. Uh, Donald Trump tweeted that that would never happen. But over the past year, Kim Jong-un has actually tested three ICBMs and the US intelligence community now estimates that it has the ability to fire a missile and reach the American continent. Whether it can put a nuclear weapon on that missile and hit the US is still not clear, but it's clear that North Korea, if it's not able to do it already, is getting very close to that point. So it's crucial that you have key players like your ambassador to South Korea in place. I think if you stand back, what's happening is you have a spectrum of views in the administration on how to deal with North Korea. At the same time that you have a big diplomatic campaign to squeeze North Korea economically, what Donald Trump calls the maximum pressure campaign, and the idea being it would convince Kim Jong-un to give up his weapons because he would be running out of fuel, of resources, of food for his people. On the same time, you have a build-up of military forces in the region, which is intended to underpin that diplomacy. That's something that's supported by Jim Mattis, the Defence Secretary, Joe Dunford, the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. But on the other end of the spectrum, you have people like Mike Pompeo, who is the CIA Director, and also General McMaster, the National Security Advisor, who seem to have a much more hawkish approach. They believe that North Korea, if it gets the capability to hit the US with a nuclear weapon, could proliferate and therefore it can't be allowed to cross the finishing line. And therefore, if the diplomacy is not working quickly enough, the US needs to send some kind of a stronger message. And the way to do that would be by giving them a bloody nose with a military strike. I think the conversations that uh, sparked the demise of Victor Cha's nomination for ambassador to Korea underscore that the White House National Security Council is actually thinking very, very seriously about some kind of military action and that the potential for that to happen, I think, is probably much higher than many people realize. So, Dimitri, does this mean that some kind of war is inevitable? It seems like the so-called bloody nose test would only trigger a response from North Korea. It's difficult to say. I mean, at this point, I don't think we can say that a military strike is inevitable, but certainly I think the risks or the probability of one happening is rising by the day. And H.R. McMaster has essentially said that in, in as many words. The problem with North Korea is that Kim Jong-un has really met no foreign leaders, no senior officials from Russia, from China, certainly not from the US. He's met Dennis Rodman, the basketball player, and that's about it. So nobody really knows what he would do in a situation where the US conducted some kind of strike on a military facility or somewhere where he lives in, in Pyongyang. And people can debate that, but at the end of the day, you don't know what he will do. And therefore, if you launch military action, you risk the possibility that Kim Jong-un will use the massive artillery forces that he has lined all along the demilitarized zone that separates South and North Korea and can fire at Seoul, which is very close uh, to that DMZ. He also has tactical weapons that could hit Seoul, that could hit Tokyo, other parts of Japan. He has biological weapons, he has chemical weapons, and he potentially has the ability already to put a nuclear weapon on a, on a shorter range missile that, again, could hit countries in the region. So you have to be a pretty brave person to take the risk uh, of a potential retaliatory nuclear strike if you hit North Korea with even some kind of minimal nuclear action. There's a ferocious debate happening within the administration. Um, a lot of people are hoping that diplomacy will prevent the need to do something like that. But at this point, it's not clear that the diplomacy is going to work fast enough to stave off the possibility of U.S. military action. All right. My last question, Dimitri, getting back to diplomacy and specifically a U.S. presence in Seoul, what happens next? I mean, is there a short list of potential other candidates for the position? What happens now? Well, it's going to be very difficult because 
you know, Victor Cha is very respected. He's actually a hawk. I mean, he's not soft on North Korea. So I think a lot of people who potentially might be asked if they're interested in going to South Korea will now look at what happened to Victor and say to themselves, well, he spent close to a year of his life trying to get his nomination uh, ready. So if you're someone else in Washington who's looking at what happened to Victor, you're probably saying to yourself, it's not worth the risk, which means the kind of caliber or the pool of people available for that job, I think, has dramatically shrunk. And it was already small already because many Republican national security experts in Washington, before the election, signed letters criticizing Donald Trump and saying he wasn't fit for office. So it's going to be very difficult for the administration to get someone good and get them there quickly. You have such a critical issue on the Korean Peninsula right now. Not to have your person in Seoul is actually uh, really damning. You can read more on the story at FT.com. Thanks, Dimitri. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.